I don't know about you, but growing up, Zacchaeus is one of those stories that I always loved to hear about in Bible class. Remember that song we used to sing? Zacchaeus is a wee little man, and a wee little man is he. The Bible doesn't say he was a wee little man. It just says he was short, which is kind of interesting because I think the average height uh, of the people of the day was about 5'7". So I guess you could say he was a wee little man. But, you know, it's interesting. My favorite part of that song was not where you sang. It was the part where you said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. And that was my favorite part because we said it with such gusto. But anyway, Jesus had a tax collector as an apostle. And so that's kind of an interesting thing. And there are parallel, parallel passages where Jesus eats with other tax collectors, not Zacchaeus, but the, the people complain about it. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they say, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Isn't it funny that tax collectors were put in the same category as sinners, as if the other people that were calling them that weren't? But what's your thought about tax collectors? They're not your favorite people. Now, now listen to me. Not the IRS necessarily, but tax collectors. The people who would come by, and, and we don't have that anymore. You got to send it in to them. But you remember, I remember this so well. When, when you used to have to pay for your newspaper and the, and the boy came by or the girl came by and, and they, they tore off a little ticket when you'd pay, you almost dreaded them coming. Can you imagine tax collectors coming up to you and saying, it's time for you to pay up? Now, in Luke 19, we have this story of Zacchaeus. And, and not only was a tax, he was a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. We're, we're going to talk about tax collectors here in just a minute. So, so hang on to that word. Not only is he a tax collector, he's the chief tax collector. He's the tax collector over tax collectors. He was wealthy. He had a lot of money. Now, we kind of say, you know what? If, if you're wealthy, then you must have come by it illegally. Uh, or I wish I was wealthy. We have that jealousy uh, a lot of times of people who are wealthy. But he was short. I mean, in essence, I think the song is probably right. He was a wee little man. And tax collectors were seen as traitors because they worked for the Roman government. There was, I, I, I mean, if, if there was anything worse than a sinner, it was a Roman. They were kind of in, in, a, in a class by themselves. Nobody liked the Romans. Nobody cared about them because what they did, what these tax collectors did, is they would not only collect the taxes for the Romans, but they would also take as much as they could for themselves. So in other words, if you owed, I'll, I'm just gonna throw out a figure. If you, if you owed $20 of taxes 
and, and you had to pay that to the Roman government, tax collector would say, uh, you owe $30. And you would pay that. He'd give the $20 to the Roman government. He'd keep the 10 himself. So they were kind of like shysters. They, they kept more than they were supposed to. Now, can you imagine Jesus in his 12 apostles had a tax collector, Matthew. He was also known as Levi. But he also had an apostle, Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were the Jewish people that liked to hide in places and come out at night and as Roman soldiers came by, would kill them and then back into the, the darkness. So you had a tax collector and a zealot in the same group of 12 people. I wonder if they said... Uh, if Jesus would say, um, Matthew, you come up the front, <laughs> you know, uh, Simon, you go to the back, stand in the back. You know, we don't want you to, I don't know. But to me, that's an amazing story in and of itself. But we'll have to talk about that in another day. Well, you know the story of Zacchaeus. You know everything about it. He wanted to see Jesus. Uh, he climbed, what kind, of, what kind of tree? What do you say, a sycamore tree. Um, uh, and, and he climbed up, he had to be short. Nobody would let him see around him. You ever been in a parade and you, and you couldn't see, or you picked up your kids. Where'd you put them on your shoulders, put them up there. Zacchaeus, nobody cared about Zacchaeus. And so what they would do is get in front of him. So he decided, and, and this had to take some thought on his part. Because Jesus had to be coming. It wasn't one of these kind of things where they, they put up billboards and, and posters and things. At 2 o'clock today, Jesus is coming by. He had to see Jesus coming. And he had to run ahead of the crowd and climb up into the tree. Now, kids climb trees. How many adults do you know that climb trees? Other than arborists and people like that who cut down, cuts down trees. Grown people don't climb trees. And so he put himself out in this story. Well, Zacchaeus was wealthy, but he wasn't happy. If he was happy, why did he talk to Jesus? That's like us in a lot of ways. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not rich. I don't have, you know, oh, you know, there's Elon Musk out there. There's the Walton family. There's Jeff Bezos. There's Mark Zuckerberg. They have money. I am not wealthy. Well, let's look at this. If you have a yearly income of $10,000, and I would venture to say that there are very few of you in here that have an income of, of $10,000 a year. But if that's the case, you're richer than 79.2% of the world. All right? If you make $20,000 a year, you're richer than 90 0.5% of the world. Oh, you knew I'd do it. If you have a yearly income of 30000 a year, you're richer than 95.3% of the world. Now, let's say this, or ask this question, and I'll include myself in this. Are we rich? Absolutely. Absolutely we are. Well, 
The lottery, really, I'm not going to ask how many bought lottery tickets, but it, it had, it was a billion dollars, a billion dollars. And, and so many of us will say, oh, if I just won the lottery, whoo, man, would I be in hog heaven? Well, you wouldn't be in hog heaven. I'd be in hog heaven, but, but y'all would probably be in Husker heaven. I don't know what they, they call it. One time I was asked to speak about Jesus and money, and I thought, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to find anything on Jesus and money. I was surprised. I was surprised that Jesus said a lot about it. He said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Dan just read a passage that talked about where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus said an enormous amount about that. And you know what's interesting to me? Is we want, we want great gain. We want great return. We want great gain on our investments. It's very simple. The scripture says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, before we say anything about wealthy people, Steve Diggs, I don't know if you all remember Steve Diggs. Steve Diggs came here and did, a, did a, a, a seminar, a financial seminar for us. And Steve had a lot of money before he even started doing that. He was very concerned about how much money he had. And so he went to Rubel Shelley and said, I'm, I, I, I don't know what I need to do. Do I need to give it all away? What do, what do I need to do? I, because I, I know all the passages of, passages of Scripture that Jesus had on money. Rubel turned to 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 6, a little bit further down than where we just quoted. Verses 17 and 19. Let me read that to you. He says, command those who are rich in this present world. That'd be us, wouldn't it? We just said we're pro probably top 95 point whatever percent. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain. Boy, we've learned that, haven't we? But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Enjoyment? Did you hear that? If you don't believe in that, go read Ecclesiastes sometime. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's what Jesus, it wasn't exactly this, but it was the message that Jesus gave to Zacchaeus. Was, yeah, you can be rich, but you need to share. You need to be the kind of person that puts their hope in God and not in the things that we can see. But Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus. And wouldn't let anything stop him. You ever gone to Disney World and you want to ride Space Mountain? And you come up to the sign that says, 
from this point, it's a one-hour wait. So what, what do you do? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, I went and got a fast pass, and so I could skip the line and do all that kind of stuff. All right, I understand that. But have you ever stood in line for a long, long time? I, I remember several years ago, Martha and I went to, to uh, Silver Dollar City, and we were going to go see a show there. And they had a big, long line, and they were like, okay, they opened it up. They started letting people, and this is no kidding. We were the last ones, or maybe we should say the first ones, that came up. And they said, oh, sorry, nope, no more. You know what we did? We left. <laughs> we turned around and walked away. But there was nothing that was going to stop Zacchaeus. And remember, there are two things that Zacchaeus is facing. Number one, he's short. And number two, people don't really care for him. And so, you know, if he would say, excuse me, they'd say, get out of here. If he tried to, to, to come in and cut in line somewhere, they would say, don't let him in. And so what he ended up doing was climbing this tree. Now, he wouldn't let anything get in his way. And so, you know what thought came to my mind? It was a song. It was a song by Marvin Gaye, and I remember Diana Ross sang it. I know it's a little silly, but listen. No wind no rain or winter's cold could stop me, baby. If you're ever in trouble, I'll be there on the double. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. And there are all kinds of other songs that have the same sentiment. And have you ever noticed that with popular songs, all grammar goes out the window? If we can understand this concept in secular music, why can't we see it in Zacchaeus? There was nothing, nothing that was going to stop him. I wish, I wish for all of us that there's nothing that's going to stop us from seeing Jesus, nothing that's going to stop us from doing what he wants us to do Grown men, as I said, don't climb trees. But it didn't matter to him what people thought of him. He was going to see Jesus, and it didn't matter what or who got in his way. But afterwards, Zacchaeus took steps to show everyone that he was a changed person. You've heard me talk about this before. So many times we think that, well... You know, we need, to, we need to get baptized. And once we get baptized, then everything is, is just fine after that. You can do whatever you want. We just want to come to that one point and boom, we're done. But that represents to everyone that sees that my life from this moment on is going to be about Jesus and after eating with Jesus, he announced he'd give away half of his possessions. And then if he cheated anyone, he would pay them four times the amount. Probably one of the most difficult things to do once you decide to follow Jesus is to change your life. 
is to quit talking the way you did, to quit thinking the way you did, to quit acting the way you did, to quit using the same vices and devices that you did. The only way, the only way to let people know that you have decided to follow Jesus is to change. Didn't we talk about that last year? About transformation? About, about transforming into something else? And we read the passages that talked about trying to become as Jesus and to become like him. That's what we were saying all along. Paul wrote Colossians from a prison in Rome, and he'd never been there, but more than likely his good friend Epaphras had started the church there. And his message to them was that everything they wanted could be found in Christ. And he warned them in Colossians chapter 3. He says, so then you must kill off the parts of you that belong to the earth, Illicit sexual behavior, uncleanness, passion, desire, and greed, which is a form of idolatry. It's because of these things that God's wrath comes on the children of disobedience. Listen to the next phrase. He says, you used to behave in this way, these ways when your life consisted of that sort of thing. I... I I, I, I talked at camp. Now, let me, let me go ahead and finish the passage, and then I'll, I'll tell you this story, which I've told you before, but you're going to hear it again. Now you must put away the lot of them. Anger and rage and wickedness. Blasphemy. Dirty talk coming out of your mouth. Don't tell lies to each other. You have stripped off the old human nature complete with its patterns of behavior, and you have put on the new one which is being renewed in the image of the Creator and bringing you into the possession of new knowledge. I told him this story at camp this last week, and I've told you this before, but playing basketball at camp one time, just shooting basket after basket because I've gotten too old to get out there and play. And besides that, I, I don't have to run up and down the court to sweat. This one little kid watched me and said, you used to be good, didn't you? <laughs> and I think sometimes we, can, we hang on to the used to be, but that's not what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life isn't about used to be, it's about gonna be. What, you're, what you are today and continuing on throughout the rest of your life. It's not about last year. It's about transformation. It's about changing into what Jesus calls us to. And as Jesus comes to the end of this story, he has some beautiful, if not interesting words. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, in the world that I grew up in, that word lost really had a negative connotation, didn't it? You know, we were, we were told to go out and get the lost. And, and I mean, it was almost this negative imagery of somebody who was evil and, you know, and, and I understand that some of that is true. True. 
But it's kind of interesting because we've used that word in church for a long time. And William Barclay has an interesting take on this. And I'm not trying to take away the seriousness of the condition that some people find themselves in. But he says a person that is lost is in the wrong place. I like that. I'm just trying to get us to to look at it from a different perspective in the wrong place. Barclay says, a man who is lost when he has wandered away from God and, and he is found when once again he takes his rightful place as an obedient child in the household and the family of his father. It's a great story. It's a great story about forgiveness. It's a great story of how you handle wealth. It's a great story of how you handle being in the wrong place. And so this morning I ask you, where do you find yourself? Where do you find yourself today? Are you like Zacchaeus? Or are you lost? I, I, I hope and pray that you will find someone that will help you find your way. One of the things that you need is a guide. A guide. Paul, Paul, it's interesting to listen to the Apostle Paul because he says, follow me. But he doesn't say, just follow me blindly. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Find someone who is following Jesus Christ and follow them. And then you won't be lost. We're going to sing an invitation song here in just a minute. Our shepherds and their wives will be in the back. Whatever your need, if you want to talk to somebody. We have found that one of the most effective things has been to, to go out and talk to the shepherds. Talk to them because they are here for your spiritual guidance. And they will pray with you and they'll help you. They may not solve all your problems and that's not what they're there for. They're there to point you to Jesus. But if you want the prayers of this church, if you want us to pray for you, we would be more than happy to do that. Jordan has selected a song, Nearer, Still Nearer. It's a beautiful song. If that is what you want, please come as we stand and sing this song.